But Matthew chapter 24, starting at the 42nd verse. Watch therefore, for ye know not what the hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made rule over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler of all, over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth this coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint his, him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The title of this morning's message, if you are taking notes, is the oil and the wick. The oil and the wick. Now we see in Matthew chapter 24 that he says two things. He says, watch, watch therefore, for you know not the hour your Lord doth come. If the, what we are seeing in the world today does not cause our eyes to open to the reality that this beautiful book, Leonard Ravenhill once said this, this book is a book of majesty. A book of mystery and a book of misery. It just depends on which side you're on. This book every single day is being fulfilled. Every jot and every tittle. Every single page. And if you're not awake to realize, for a Christian, we watch it, we see it on each side, and we say, hey, this is, this is just proof that God's word is accurate. God's word is correct. This is just proof that surely that hour draweth near when the Lord comes. But I'm telling you, if we're not ours or not open to it, that this is real, this is not a test, that the news media may be touching on a certain side or narrative, but despite what they're saying, doesn't matter what station you're watching, the reality and the situation is real. And Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen. Now for us, that's exciting, right? But for the world, man... That causes a fear and tremble. It should at least because he's coming back. And, and I don't care if you. we can get into doctrinal debates on pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, whatever. The fact is one thing doesn't change. He's coming back and he's coming back for a blood-bought believer. That's it. And we need to be ready to meet him. I need to be ready to meet him. That's what the word says. Watch. Watch. When I used to work down in South Point, Ohio, I kind of hold long hours and on the way home. I was supposed to get off about 4.30, 5 o'clock, and I would just be getting in the car. And Megan would call because she would be home a little bit before it. She would be fixing dinner or, or whatnot, and she'd want to know what time so she could have it ready. No one wants a cold meal, and she'd appreciate that she would call me. But I knew I was a little running late because I, I can't believe myself, but I got to talking <laughs> and got carried away. But she'd say, are you, are you on your way home? I said, oh, yeah, I'm on my way home, Absolutely. But I had just shut the door. Just left. Technically, I wasn't lying. It might have been an exaggeration. But sure enough, when I would roll in farther along than, than what she would assume if I was on my way home, she said, oh, I thought you would have been home sooner. You, and, you know, this is what happens. You know, it's a, this tearing process that Jesus Christ, the, the doubt is he's coming back. But what happens is we begin, to, we begin to stop watching. We begin to stop being ready. And this is where faith sets in because we get weary. We get tired. 
We take our eyes off of them. We stood by the door so long looking for him, expecting him at any moment. And yet if another day passes and he's not returned. And sure enough, our faith grows a little weaker and we get a little wearier and a little more tired of the condition of the world and what we're living in. And sure enough, slowly that house, as it says in Matthew chapter 24, gets broken up. Then it says not only watch, but it also says, but be ready. So wait a minute, you can watch and not be ready? Absolutely. We need to be ready and to watch. We need to be doing both. And we see that it goes right into it, a stark difference between new believers, two servants. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Doing, watching. Doing what? Watching. Doing what? Being ready. But he said there's another type of servant that, that might say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. And it says, and he began to do these things in which he shouldn't. And when that, that Lord comes back to his servant, it says, in fact, he will take the portion and, and give it to the hypocrites. And, oh, that's the worst to, to work for these things. The, the, the worst word in the, in the entire Bible. The thing that, that I want to not be called more than anything else. You can call me a thousand things. You can cuss me. You can call me any, any word. But please don't call me a hypocrite. That's the worst, to say we're watching, to say we're ready, to say we're expecting the Lord to come. But then when the Lord comes to find us not doing that at all, not being ready, not watching. It looks very close, this illustration we see in Matthew chapter 4, to what we see in the very next chapter. Just turn the next chapter over, Matthew chapter 25. Look at the beginning of the chapter. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But look what it says in verse 4 here. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. I want you to understand something this morning, that what we are as Christians is a work of the whole work of God and not just a part. Let me just say this. A vessel is a life. Just last night, Gardner came to us. We just pretty much had a pretty quiet day at the house. Uh, there was a Christmas present with some little Tonka trucks that you put together um, that we had not opened yet. And he had it just been we had so many toys. They didn't open it. And he brought it in. He said, I want to open it. Now, on the front, it was a dump truck and a little excavator and a little tipple, you know, all the things. But when you open the box and he dumped it out, it was nothing but pieces. It was nothing but pieces. So he said, well, I said, well, just play with it. You can't play with it. It has to be put together. You can't play with just a part. You just be playing with a tire. You just be playing with a bucket. You just be playing with a little, a little crane arm. It has to be the entire hole. Let me just say this when it comes to a lamp. If I would hand you just the oil, would that be a lamp? If I would hand you just the wick, would that be a lamp? Would I hand you just the vessel portion, would that be a lamp? A lamp is a complete work of individual pieces. We have to understand this right now. It takes a vessel, it takes oil, it takes a wick to be a lamp. It takes all of those things. We're going to talk about that this morning, about the whole work that God is trying to do for us to be ready and to be watching. There is no way you can be ready and no way you can be watching if you don't have a lamp. That lamp has got to be burning. That lamp has got to be functioning properly. 
We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthly vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And then 2 Timothy 2 and 20 through 22 says this, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. That's the thing about this vessel. This vessel is a life, but what is this life of? What are we putting in this vessel? This vessel is to be housed with the Holy Spirit, and we're called to have a wick in which they work together to be a light that is an example to a dark and dying world. An example to say, hey, I'm ready, and I'm watching, and I don't care how bad it gets out there, it's not going to give me any different outcome of what's going to happen because I'm ready for Jesus Christ to come back for me. But that is our identity is in Christ in the whole entire work. I'm trying to get something somewhere. So anyway, still right there in Matthew chapter 25, look at verse 5. Because it said the foolish took their lamps but took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps while the bridegroom tarried. We see that. We saw that in Matthew chapter 24. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom coming, cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. So we see here that even the wise needed both things. They needed the oil and they needed their wicks. And it says right there in verse 7 that they trimmed their wicks. You have to have both. Now I want to talk this morning for just a few moments because the lamp cannot function effectively without oil and without a good wick. It has to have both. And I want to talk this morning because I believe we know without a doubt that the oil is a representation and an illustration of the Holy Spirit. We know that. And, and, and if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not one of His. And there's no way we can meet the bridegroom unless we're one of His. He's only coming back for a bride. You don't, a husband or a groom doesn't stand at the altar to get married and then a random stranger come walk up to the altar to wed them. No, it's someone that they had agreed to, someone that they had purchased, especially in that time they would have purchased that uh, from the Father. But we know in Romans 8 and 9 it says this, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. That once again, the vessel is filled with the oil. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Not my word. That's his word. That's what it says. There's no one coming for you. There's no one going to return for you. We know that in the last days it says one, two will be in the field. One will go and one will stay. This is what happens. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. But Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And then look what happens. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what changes. We have to have the Holy Ghost. But it's not enough just to have the oil. 
we have to have the wick. And the wick has to be as utterly important in this equation. And I believe the wick is the word of God. It's the part that makes the light. It's useless without the oil, of course. There's no word of God without the Holy Spirit interpreting the word of God. But to illustrate, for us to burn effectively, our wicks must be saturated in oil. Father, it, it, it makes no difference if you pick up this word, if you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to interpret this word. The, word, the world every day says, you will use this word against me. We see it in the temptation of Christ in the, in the, in the desert, in the wilderness. That he used the word against him, but it was not with the Holy Spirit. And, and Christ can combat that. But Jesus calls us to worship. The true worshipers are worshiping what? In spirit and in truth. For us to be in a, an actual lamp. For us to actually burn. For us to be watching and ready the way we're called to be. We have to have the Holy Spirit. And we have to have the word of God. How are we going to know what, where we're going? How are we going to know what life's going to look like? How are we going to know the signs of the time? If we don't have the word of God. Psalms 119. We know the first. We know 105. Like the back of our hand. The word is a lamp under feet and light under my path. We know that portion very clearly. But it goes on to say this. I have sworn and I will perform it. I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. And look what it says right here, Psalms 119, 107. I am afflicted very much. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. Well, what does quicken mean? Quicken has two definitions. One is to, is to make faster or quicker, and the other is to stimulate or to become stimulated. To quicken, to stimulate. He said, I've been afflicted. I'm weary. I'm tired. Quicken me, O Lord, you know. Stimulate me. Make me burn brighter again. And how are we going to do that? According to his word. And that, my friends, is what trimming the wick does. I looked this up. In the days and age which it would have been written, first century AD. When, when light came from burning oil in, in lamps, such as we're reading here. A vessel at sea would actually have crewmen. Actually have crewmen that constantly took care of. Of the lamps. And this care involved trimming the wick, which drew the oil up from the storage reservoir or the vessel so that the flame would be clean and bright. Now, look what it says right here. A poorly trimmed wick creates a flame that is dim and smoky. <laughs> That's what it creates a flame that is dim and smoky. Folks, we're not called to have a dim and smoky wick. We're called to be a light, a bright, shining, burning light for Jesus Christ. That takes oil in the vessel, which the five foolish ones did not have. And it takes a, you see, even the wise, they arose when they heard the midnight cry. And the first thing they did is they trimmed their wicks. You see what happens with a wick, and if you've had candles before, and you've used that candle before, that that wick at the end of it will, it's actually a gump, G-U-M-P-H is what they call it, and it, and it collects on the top, this little charred, dead end piece, this little edge, and I believe what happens is, as we get weary, and we become Christians for longer and longer, and we're burning that candle bright, what happens is we, we get that little residue on the end of it. And, you know, oftentimes we'll just, we'll just kind of take it and rub it, give it a smooth edge. We'll just kind of take the, the sharpness off and hopefully that'll burn. But what is properly to be done is to trim it properly. You know, it's 
it's not enough because what happens when as we go farther along and sadly because of our flesh, it has nothing to do with the word of God, it has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Sadly because of our flesh is every time we read this word farther and farther along, it becomes what? Dull, charred, smooth, doesn't have that bite anymore. And we need to trim our wick. We need to make sure that every time we're in this word, it is new, it is fresh, it is revealing something to us. Because what happens is, oh, I've read that before, I've, I've heard that sermon before, I've sat in that Bible study before. And what happens is, yeah, my, my life's been burning, I've been a Christian since I was a kid, I raised up in church, my dad was a preacher, my mom was a piano player, this, this, this. And what happens is that gum starts to collect. Starts to collect, and if you are wise, you will trim your wick and allow the word which is sharper than any two-edged sword. Which is sharper than any two-edged sword. I just want to say this morning, say this morning that we need to be ready. We need to be watching. Our vessels need to be filled with oil. Folks, listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it does no good knowing someone who does. They came to him. They came. The five foolish came to the five wise and said, you give me what we need so we can be the bridegroom. They said, we can't do it. But you know where to go. You know who's selling it. In fact, you know who's giving it away for free. Go in which that's. But this is the problem. And this is why God does not allow procrastination when it comes to the kingdom of God. You don't know the hour in which he comes. People say, well, he's not back yet. I've got time. Who's to say the five foolish thought they had time and they didn't have time enough because it says right here. And while they went to buy in the very act, how bad would it be? And I'm not trying to play hypothetical scenarios. How bad would it be for that one soul this Sunday morning would come out of that pew and say, you know what? I'm going to make a decision for Jesus Christ and I'm going to come forward and come forward and repent of my sins and turn my life around and let Jesus Christ be the Lord of my life. And they, they, you know, they start just for a second to think about it. And then there's a, there's someone that's in their way of getting out this side and they look over there and there's a way to get out this side. And well, he's not actually given invitation yet or I've, I've not heard a song to preach, but maybe I should go. Maybe. And all of a sudden right then the Lord comes back. Oh my goodness. How how close and yet so far away. These five foolish who had ample time, who had ample time. In fact, we could argue that at one point they had oil because they had ran out and they went to buy more. But while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they, that word, this is the word. <laughs> it's going to take a light. You've got to be watching. You've got to be ready. At any moment, at any moment, we just talked the other day about a vacation coming up in spring, and it's all the kids are talking about it now. I said, we just brought it up, we just, it was one sentence, we should have never said it, there's nothing that's been booked, there's nothing, and already there's an expectation that, hey, we want to go. And that's what we need to be as Christians. That has got to be our focus to say, I'm going to live today like it might be my last day. I'm going to love my family, I'm going to forgive those that have ought against me, and I'm going to make sure I'm burning bright because... He might be coming right now. But it says, and they, they that were ready went in. They that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. 
But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. And then it says this, the same thing we saw in Matthew chapter 24. Watch therefore. This isn't scare tactics. I know from a, people think, you're just trying to scare me into getting saved. You're just trying to scare me. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to let you know that you need to be ready and you need to be watching because it says right here, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. We need to be ready. Simple as that, and yet so complicated for so many. How do you be ready? How do you be ready? You've got to have a lamp. You already have a vessel. You already have a vessel, but that vessel has to be filled with oil, which can only come from the Holy Spirit, which can only come from a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And simply saying, I believe you are who indeed you say you are. I believe you're the son of the, uh, you're the only begotten son of God, that you came to die a death that you didn't deserve on my behalf, that you were buried in a borrowed tomb, that on the third day you rose again and you sit on the right hand to serve intercession for those that believe in you. That's how you get ready. That's how the Holy Spirit, Peter said it in Acts 2 and 38. Repent, realize you're a sinner, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then you will receive the gift. But it's not enough. We got it. Folks, if it's one thing Christians are doing wrong, we got the Holy Spirit, but our wicks are guffed up. We are burning so dimly, so smoky, so charred. We need to be in this word. And this word will cause our wick to be shortened. You know, they say this, the longer the wick gets, it actually will use up the oil more quickly. That wick will be longer. It will actually saturate a longer wick and will use up more of that reservoir quicker. And in fact, I want to say this, that I believe that wick, you know, needs to be short. needs to be right there in a moment's notice. We just need to have the word of God. And as that thing's burning bright, it will just give us what we need for today. If I just get in this word for today, it'll take me through today. And when tomorrow comes, I'll get in the word and it'll take me tomorrow. But we need to be ready. We'll read that one more time. What it says in Matthew chapter 24. Watch therefore. For you know not what hour your Lord cometh. But know this, but know this, folks. Now I'm going to ask Cole and Zoe to come and get another song. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known, if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would have come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Right now, you know, it says if, if the good men would have known the hour, then he wouldn't have, he would have watched. He would have been ready. Well, folks, we don't know the hour, but we know right now his grace is sufficient. And I, I assure you this, you can't bank on a lot of things I say, most likely none of it. But one thing you can bank on, bank on, that if you would come to this altar and you would submit your heart to Jesus Christ, I promise you, he will save you. Amen. He will save you to the uttermost. He will change your life. Gene Thomas just talked of that very thing. But you got to be ready. you got to be watching. If the good men would have known the hour, he would have watched. What about you this morning? Are you ready? I don't know how bad it can get before your eyes open up to the reality that can't keep getting any worse. There's going to be a time when he said enough is enough. And he's going to send his son come back. And when that time happens, it will be too late. He will gather that which are his and he will shut the door.
he will shut the door. And that is the greatest thing that could ever happen to a life. And I don't want to see it happen. Pastor Delbert doesn't want to see it happen. Your family does not want to see it happen. Make preparation right now. Let's get ready. Let's be watching as Cole and Zoe come to sing.